Ahoy and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Ahoy and welcome to Open Journal and to episode 211. I hope you are well. Hope things are good for you this week. We are nearing the end of February and there is likely going to be some changes happening maybe in March, maybe in April. Who knows? Well, you will know by now. Um, but I'm recording this before our, our kind of a UK announcement as to, to what's happening with lockdowns and things. Um, So hopefully there is some good news for kind of later on in the spring and the summer. Um, And I guess a range of different conversations around mental health and well-being will happen then as to uh, the the different ways we approach and we think about kind of a return to face to face in person or in the community or in the workplace um, kind of interaction and the impact that that will have four different people um hopefully there will be some good news stories in there but i think it's also really important to think about those people those of us that may or will be affected by just the changes that are going to happen and i think the changes that have kind of constantly happened over the last year um so i think some really important conversations on that um coming up i guess in the next few months probably I hope over the last couple of weeks um, you've enjoyed hearing from some returning guests. It was great to have Angela and uh, Hannah on uh, respectively on, on recent episodes. Really good to kind of hear from them again and hear about what's going on uh, with them more recently. This episode I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Jane who is a new guest who's coming on and we're going to hear a little bit about Jane's experience and insights. Um, we're particularly going to be talking about anxiety for young people. Um, kind of training your mind and positive thinking um, and a range of different approaches to uh, kind of mindset and to therapy. Um, Jane introduces the idea of kind of uh, Buddhist psychology um, which was really interesting to kind of talk through. Uh, We also look at a few different things around kind of creating your own mental 
toolkit or toolbox um so a really interesting conversation massive thank you to jane for coming on sharing her insights her thoughts her experiences i think it's as always a really interesting uh and really beneficial opportunity to to hear those insights and hear different ways to access support different ways to think about how to help ourselves and different ways to be proactive as well and i really liked um the idea of that kind of mental toolkit and i think we might have mentioned similar things in the past although not in recent episodes um where we've talked about the idea of uh it's not necessarily about recovery from mental health illness or symptoms it's actually a proactive mindset it's about um thinking about how we can all support our well-being regardless of whether we're affected by an illness or certain symptoms so yeah a, a really really good conversation again a massive thank you to jane i hope you guys uh enjoy this episode as always if you're interested in being a guest yourself uh you can find out information on the website which is openjournalbc.com i really hope you enjoy the episode thank you so much for downloading and for listening and i look forward to talking to you again very very soon here's this week's episode it's really nice to sit down and, and talk to you jane i wonder just as we are in this i feel like this is the second very very cold day i've had where i am really cold um, <laughs> how has, how's the last couple of days or how's the last week been for you apart from cold um <laughs> yeah um i've had a i'm fine i'm i'm doing really really well um i've spent the last few weeks bombarding myself with online courses to keep busy because I'm on furlough and the one that I've just been doing last week was very intensive and it was about being visible so this was quite deep quite transformatory transformational I think is a better word um yeah sort of going quite deep into how you present yourself and reflecting back the good things that I honestly didn't realize about myself so that's been absolutely amazing i'm feeling on top form thank you <laughs> oh that's really good i really like um yeah. like you kind of utilizing the time as well and doing the training courses i think i i feel like in the last probably it feels like longer but i think probably just in the last two or three weeks i've done a few courses that are like a kind of a quality and diversity courses and trying to pick yeah. up on some of the stuff that i feel like I have anecdotal knowledge of this. I'd quite like a little bit more to kind of back it up and inform and educate myself. Yeah. Um, it feels like a good time, especially with so much kind of, like you say, with furlough or homeworking to kind of utilise some of those opportunities to pick up on training. So what yeah. kind of what motivated you to kind of pick up those courses in particular? Well, specifically, and, I, you know, we will work our way towards this, mm. I think, in the conversation, but specifically I'm planning to set up a YouTube channel this year. That's my task for this year to talk about mental health advice and anxiety advice. And it's it's specifically for younger people Mm. because there's a huge gap there in terms of the need that is growing at the moment and the their ability to access, um, you know, uh, therapies counseling and so on there's very there's nowhere near the supply to meet the demands and I I know I know a lot of things about this and I know I know I can help so I want to make videos that can get into the bedrooms of the young people who are really struggling Mm -hmm. at the moment so 
that's why I'm doing uh, courses about visibility and and getting good behind a camera to be honest so because that was my sticking point you know I've done so much work on myself mm. um, and I feel pretty confident now but when you put a camera in front of me I was like oh uh, stuck <laughs> really stuck <laughs> and uh and the difference from the beginning of the course to the end of the course is just amazing. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So that's quite a lot of information there, wasn't there? It is. It, is. <laughs> it gives us a nice kind of, um, I guess, like you say, a, a starting point, a segue, I guess, into um, hearing a bit more about you. I think that's a, it's really interesting to see and think about those possibilities, isn't it, of, of like you say, the work with young people and the different um, ways to communicate with them about a few different things but we'll come on to that I guess yeah. um as I mentioned just to, to start off with a little bit more about um can can you tell us a little bit more about yourself Jane about why yeah. obviously we're going to be talking about a few different things and, and go into those in a bit more detail later but just kind of what's led to to you being where you are today okay so where I am today I'll start off with the now um I'm sort of in a second career mode so I've spent most of my life in corporate career and then I suppose hit a, hit a wall a couple of years ago and thought I just can't do this anymore it's too hollow um yeah really just hacked off with it mm. couldn't do it and so I've moved out to the southeast of England down to the southwest which is wonderful I've got a bit of bit more time now so now sitting here I'm thinking you know what can I give back and that's been my sort of thinking over the last couple of years. What can I give back? And I'm deeply inspired by a poem, actually, by a man called David White, W-H-Y-T-E. And it's called Start Close In. So this inspired me to think, well, what do I know? What do I know really intimately that I can gift to the world? And that was my own experience with anxiety. So, yes, a long story about anxiety that started off, um, you know, as a child, really, I can remember being really unhappy, feeling quite, um, I would say, broken when I, you know, from my pretty much my earliest memories, feeling that I wasn't good enough, that there was something wrong with me, specifically me and nobody else. Um, and yeah, being very lonely and, you know, nowhere to go. And I, back in those days, you know, you didn't even know what anxiety was. There was no word for it. That started me off on a lifetime of study, of psychology study, to try to help myself to feel better. So I've got a couple of degrees now. And then um, that feeling was hidden, which is probably quite a common experience. You hide it because it didn't know where to go or what to do with it and felt ashamed. So I hid all of that behind what was a reasonably okay career, corporate career. You know, I did mm. okay. Mm. Um, but no amount of success on the outside would get to this feeling of not being good enough on the inside. So I was always working extra hard to try to prove myself because I didn't feel good enough, but it didn't help. And so on. It just sort of went on and on until uh, about 10 years ago, I, well, I gave up my corporate career and went independent for a number of years. And that gave me more time to go back to study. 
and uh, you know I think you're probably picking up the idea that I don't like to not be learning something (laughs) Um, so I went back and did a master's degree in coaching psychology and this opened my eyes to a whole new world it was you know times have moved on there was much more useful information about how to actually help people to feel better so I, I probably really started my healing journey then and then I came across um about five years ago came across Buddhist psychology which is just phenomenal and that just really sort of catapulted me I think into uh you know into a whole new mode of healing mm. um so when I came to this point in my life sort of circling back to now um and I'm looking at what do I know intimately so it was a combination of anxiety and Buddhist psychology so I I ran a few workshops the year before last just locally so start close in if you remember local people with what I know about Buddhist psychology um, and helping people with anxiety and that just and I just sort of put that together fairly easily because I know that really really well and uh, yeah that was really good I got some I got some really good feedback on that and and it I could see it really helped people because they would tell me months and even you know a year later that it's still helping them which is phenomenal Mm -hmm. really so I'm like oh my gosh I really have something here you know I didn't know that I had something until I was told that I had something and uh, so I know now that I've got to keep going with this Mm. yeah thank you I think it's really um really interesting you 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 obviously mentioned it there kind of the they keep coming back to learning the not uh, kind of different forms of education I suppose at different levels and different ways to take it in and it's always interesting to see um different people's approaches to that I think um there are different ways that we get into uh different services or different activities and um it's it's kind of a separate point now in my head is also having a I've recently had a conversation with someone about different types of therapy and different types of support yes um and that was kind of really kind of popping up in my mind when you're talking about kind of the the Buddhist approach and something that is maybe slightly different is not necessarily what someone would discuss when they're thinking about ways to support themselves or or a friend um and I think there's a kind of a lot of different approaches I guess that can yeah. help support people and that maybe they will respond to um in different ways and I think so often we're left with oh well, there's like this route and, yes. and that's it so there's this route of education you go through and whenever you've finished you've finished there's no kind of going back for a master's or continuing your learning with with courses and things like that it's like your education is finished now anything else yeah. you do is it's it's for your job there's no kind of personal right. development right. um and the same with counseling and in my mind I was like you're you've got such a different route um to to what someone would necessarily expect to see yes it's really nice to hear that like I, I thought this would be a good option and, and so I did it and it's like that's a oh, really yes. positive thing to hear someone speak about um I'm really interested to like that first time of, of thinking about making a uh, like a conscious decision I guess um, to really invest your time and your passion and, and your knowledge yeah. in these areas of, of kind of uh, mental health or well-being or um, kind of where that first where you feel like that first decision was 
Oh, I, um, it goes back to being 12 years old. My first decision to study psychology, mm. it was the very first time I came across a thing called psychology, which is the study of the mind. And I knew instantly. And I think that's marked my life quite a lot. I've, I've often known things very deeply mm. and not questioned because I know it's right. Um, so I studied psychology um, first time I could, you know, when I was 18, went to university because I wanted to not feel broken. You know, that was it. I wanted to feel better. I wanted to learn for myself how to feel better. I would say that that was a complete disappointment, that first degree. It, it taught me nothing useful <laughs> about feeling better. It taught me a lot of theories, um, but nothing that I could use. There was nothing practical. It was very theoretical mm. and very disappointing. Um, so, yes, that that's where I started from. But... I don't know what it is. I never gave up, never gave up. I've, I'm an optimist deep down inside. Fortunately for me, I'm an optimist. And I thought there's got to be some way there's going to be something. So, you know, going, I went into work, but always reading, always mm. reading self-help manuals, psychology books. I have got bookshelves. Um, you'd probably like to see them one day. <laughs> I've got so many books and I've read so much. And then I think what I've been doing all my life is cherry picking, mm. looking for these insights that I think are really helpful. I mean, this has all been galvanized in the last, um, you know, since I did my master's because I'm following my master's, I actually did start um, coaching people. So I needed to, and it was um, going to your point about different modalities, mm. if that's if I might use that word. Um, this was an integrative approach. So we covered pretty much all of the different schools of thought in psychology. I should ca class, um, qualify that with Western psychology. Mm. Um, and then you were allowed to sort of choose your own way. It may be that you chose one particular, like transactional analysis or CBT or whatever, yeah. or mm. you put something together of your own, you know, taking bits and pieces from different places. Mm. Um, so, yes, I, I can pull together from a wide, a very wide variety of different schools of thinking and um, practices. And uh, yeah, and that's what I've really done. That's what I've done with my coaching. Um, mm. And I know we will get onto it, but that's very much what I've done in my book is, um, is picked together all the little, you know, the really, really useful essence, the nuggets of information that have helped me and my clients in transforming anxiety. Yeah. You, you kind of mentioned there the, the, the book as well, and I think it's interesting to... Um, I guess you almost describe that in a very similar way to describing your own experience of um, kind of learning and educating on all of these different forms that that can yes. support well-being and then kind of sharing that and then obviously through the book providing that opportunity for someone else to kind of pick some of those up and, and use that as one of their resources as well yes um yeah it's, we've kind it's... of we we've kind of mentioned obviously you mentioned there that a, a big western focus which is it's going to happen because that's what we are um mm -hmm. 
but something that you we've also both kind of picked up a little bit is that that buddhist side it'd be really interesting Mm -hmm. to kind of identify maybe how that kind of fed in at first and and how you feel that fits alongside or in contrast to to some of the other more traditional support we might see here I would love to (laughs) to talk about that (laughs) yeah oh gosh so I was recommended to read a book by Tara Bratch called Radical Acceptance and in this book it talks about Buddhist psychology and I didn't even know that was a thing I had never heard of it in all my decades of psychology study I had never heard of Buddhist psychology which I think is really interesting in itself so what it opened up it it was for me like a a doorway into a new secret garden of understanding Um, it's it's it comes from a different background so it's been I mean Buddhism itself is called by the Dalai Lama a science of the mind rather than a religion as most people would probably see it as and it's the 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 bulk of Buddhism it's a practice or a series of practices rather than most religions are a series of beliefs and these practices are really all about um, helping you to be free of suffering I mean that's the way that the Buddha Um, talks about it is freeing yourself from suffering but it's all about um, how to train your mind did you know that (laughs) no I didn't know the that that idea of like the difference between uh, like activities religion and the separation there and it was interesting when you said you'd not heard of kind of Buddhist psychology even that I was like I how I feel like there's lots of different links and conversations I've had around kind of Buddhism in the past and I was like I feel like I must have heard this but I also don't know anything about it so I'm not sure if I have yeah and I I, I do wonder whether it sort of sits in that gap where we kind of have that like anecdotal knowledge Mm. and we make certain assumptions and we're like oh yeah I know about that Mm. when actually we don't okay well you might know a little bit more in a minute (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so the story of Buddha, um, I'm not going to go into it in, in any detail, but his his mission, if you like, was to um, heal suffering in the world. And the cause of suffering is clinging, okay? Clinging means clinging to your stories, clinging to your identity, clinging to beliefs such as I will be happy when I have something. Um, I am not good enough is clinging to belief about yourself. So the practices are all about getting rid of these sort of um, rigid beliefs and this this sort of clinging. Um, and then the processes, I mean, it's so intricate. It, it would take many years to sort of fully understand all of the intricacies of it. And I have to say, I do like to keep things simple. So my cutting through all of that complexity and boiling it down to the essences, the practices that I think are the most useful or the simplest way of explaining it is, first of all, you find your calm in a space. Now, that might sort of ring true with what you might expect about Buddhism, because you there's a 
you know, there's a, an image, isn't there, of the Buddha sitting in a lotus position and meditating and all of that sort of fits with mm. what we expect about Buddhism and as I'm calling it, Buddhist psychology. So it's about finding the space between your thoughts, the calm and clear space where your mind just rests. And that's a really, really important place to start. And straight away, if you are an anxious person and your mind is typically going you know, 19 to the dozen from one worry to the next to the mm. next, just having that split second of calm is giving you just a total breakthrough. You think, okay, I can stop my thoughts. I have got control over this. I don't fail to exist. I don't die when I've stopped thinking. So there is another part of me that can find peace. So that's really, really important. But it is just the first step. Because it's also intrinsic in Buddhist psychology and Buddhism is kindness. And kindness is as much to yourself as it is to share out into the world. Because if you're not kind to yourself, you tend to be quite reactive. And that reactivity can be quite hurtful. So mm. if you're feeling fear and you don't want to feel fear, you might lash out or you might withdraw, you know, the fight or flight. So it's, it's about understanding your reactions and your reactivity with kindness, meeting all of these difficult emotions with kindness until they start to soften and ease and release the grip on you. So now we've got a little space, we've got a bit of wriggle room, we can start to look at what is going on in the mind. So the, uh, the third part is about being curious as to what's going on in your mind. So it's starting to look at the internal workings of your mind and looking at, well, is that helpful or is that not helpful? Okay, so when you and you approach it with curiosity, open mindedness and kindness, which is really, really important because we're not about um, being harsh on ourselves and judging ourselves here. It's just about actually what is going on here. Um, and then when you decide that, you know, you, there are thought patterns that are going on that are not helpful, then you can start to let them go. So it's all about letting go and not clinging to these things that are no longer helping you, not clinging anymore to the and to the belief that I'm not good enough because it makes you feel bad. It stops you from flourishing. It stops you from, um, you know, going out into the world and being fully yourself. Mm. So that was quite a big nutshell, but <laughs> that was probably um, Buddhist psychology in a nutshell. So. I'm hoping what I've done there is help you to see that there is a pathway just within the Buddhist psychology part of it from from being an anxious person to to being a happy person. And just to sorry, complete this, um, it goes beyond fixing. So it's not just about from being um, not very well mentally to being OK. It's actually about flourishing because it, it, it provides a vision of what it's like when you are free from clinging and you are free from suffering, that you can be, um, yeah, they talk about equanimity. So it's a, it's a state where you are okay, no matter what happens, that you have this um, serenity. Um, I'm not saying I'm there yet, but that's the vision. Once you've practiced enough, 
you can get to that point where you're truly happy. Yeah. I really like, um, thank you for sharing that. It's really interesting to hear. And you speak through really, it's a very calming voice that you've got. It's very much, I can sort of feel myself being more peaceful just listening to you explain it. Oh, that's wonderful. I really like I don't and I don't know if this is a, it just happened to be the way you explained it or it's a kind of a true reflection. But I really like the part when you were talking about kind of that the, the, the wording of like not holding on to certain things yes. in the mindset of it's not saying, um, I don't know, if you if you um, if you feel bad about yourself, it's not saying don't feel bad about yourself. It's saying don't hold on to that. So yeah. it's it's a, it's one of those things where yeah. sometimes there are slight wording differences and I this is definitely not the case for everyone but for me sometimes that really makes a massive difference because you're not saying you can't feel bad about yourself or you shouldn't mm-hmm. feel bad about yourself or that's not valid yeah. it's just saying okay the amount that you're kind of attached to or holding on to or the amount that you value that is maybe not in proportion to where you want it to be so right. um, there's a real ability to still validate that feeling but yes. question the the distance that you have with it and I think yes. those are um, really valuable kind of um, wordings or phrases I guess for for yes. different people yes. um, and I like I personally I like that side that kind of acknowledges the the crap stuff that we have yes. <laughs> um, it's not always crap I guess for people um, but some of the, the the negative things I would describe them as yes. um, that it kind of yeah it validates it's, it's okay that you, it's okay that you're affected by or you think or you feel yeah. that but how about we we kind of call into question yeah the distance the attachment um sometimes i've heard people talk about it as like a the secondary reaction or the secondary emotion mm. to that so like hi it's it's okay to feel angry, but it's the feeling sad about being angry that is the thing that we can kind of um, work on. Um, and that seemed to really come across in the in the way that you were talking. I think even at the end there where you mentioned the, the not yeah. fixing really kind of, yeah, sort of feels like that's, that's where that is. Yeah, I, it's very core to the um, Buddhist way of thinking and the, the metaphor for it is the second arrow okay so say you get hit by an arrow say you were unfortunate enough to get hit Mm -hmm. by an arrow it hurts and life you know it's metaphorical life throws things at you that do Mm. hurt but if you start attacking yourself because you're hurting Mm. uh, that's like you're giving yourself a second arrow so you're making that pain far worse by inflicting you know by being ashamed of or fighting Mm -hmm. or getting angry with yourself because you got angry or sad with yourself because you got sad or you know in other words you know attacking yourself for the feelings that Mm -hmm. are natural because we are human beings and human beings are evolved to react emotionally to stuff that happens that's the way it is we're not gonna we're not gonna stop that <laughs> so yeah. stop fighting it but. yeah and I think to a a large extent those are not always but they're, they're often built off of 
um, kind of inbuilt safety mechanisms in ourselves to to self protect. And I mean, I'm uh, I'm midway through. Well, I don't know how long yet, so mid midway might be optimistic through physio with my knee because I, I've been struggling with it for a number of months. And um, literally in the first session, she, <laughs> she said, "Well, at some stage you've you've injured it, and to kind of self protect, you've basically started putting all of the pressure on your other leg, or you walk with it at a bit of an angle and." that's great for a short period of time because it protects the damage from getting worse but now what's happened is you've basically got a really bad habit where you've you're losing a lot of muscle because you're not using that leg properly um and it's just it's kind of it was really I mean she didn't understand why I nearly laughed um (laughs) but I thought it's just such a kind of a physical representation of often we'll do something that is needed in in crisis yes and then we continue with that after crisis when actually that's that's not necessarily kind of needed anymore we need a different type of support or coping mechanism. right exactly and I think you know a lot of going now over switching over to a more psychoanalytical approach um, mm-hmm. a lot of these problems start when we're very little um so and there's I'm not there's no blame in any of this story but mm. it often starts with your parents or caretakers not giving you what you perceive to be unconditional love and if you you have as a small child and you're very dependent on your carers you want the the view of them as I'm going to say omnipotent that's not quite the right word but as infallible I suppose um to be preserved because that's your safety you depend on them you want to keep them Mm. um perfect in your mind so you're if if they're not giving you what you want, your only recourse is to think you're at fault. Mm. Um, and this is happening at such an early age for a lot of people that that thought is sort of gets buried so deep, it's so subconscious. You you, you form then a view of yourself not being good enough or defective in some way, and that carries right through. It carry can carry right through your whole life if you don't do something like this some mm. form of self-awareness some form of healing um and as an undercurrent going through life it, it really has a, a dramatic um limiting effect on your well-being on your happiness on your ability to live life to the full because you're going to stay safe exactly like what you were saying you want mm. to stay safe that that original problem that original cause of that thought is is buried way 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 back and is no longer relevant but that doesn't matter because you've stayed with that protective mechanism mm. yeah I've heard people talk about it as um oh, uh like oh, I can't it, this isn't how they describe it, but like an it's like an ultimate self value or something. So it's like a core value that you hold and you can't remember why you set that value in the first place. Like you say, you were likely very, very young and you, you experienced something and that meant that you set this kind of core value, which you now kind of in for, well, I guess to some extent you don't know, but you live by that and you will judge a lot of your experiences by that value that was set in place because of potentially a, a completely random one-off thing that happened when you're a child yeah. and you picked up from that experience here's a here's a value or a, a air quotes lesson 
that I have kind of picked up and this is what I'm going to set this particular ruling by um and I think it is it is really hard for for I think particularly um uh, not young adults anyone over I guess like 30 that feels like (laughs) we're not still growing um I think it's really hard to look back because I know my experience with depression was very much around kind of that 30 um kind of age area um and for me the idea that kind of something that happened when I was a child affecting me now felt so difficult to I was like I'm I was okay as an adult so this is clearly something that is in relation to what's happened to me as an adult it's got nothing to do with what happened to me as a child um and literally every time I I'm involved in some form of therapy it Mm. inevitably does go back to being a child yeah and it can be really hard to to go actually this has kind of sat with you for quite a long time you just haven't really known it I think that is quite hard for an adult to hear yeah that's interesting because I've sort of done so much um you know deep work in my studies Mm. that it's it's so prevalent that people have this it's called Mm -hmm. wounding from childhood no matter what age it 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 really to I mean I'm we can change okay we can accept Mm. that we can see it we can be kind to it and alleviate the pain and flourish but it won't go away (laughs) it's always kind of it can all you can always go back and feel that it's still there really um but yeah yeah sorry go on there is there is that side that we are we're obviously drawn to kind of I guess we're talking about symptoms and illnesses and where these this this lesson or value has been set Mm -hmm. but equally there can be values that have been set that have had a really positive impact on your life um and they might even be balancing out some of these other ones that are less positive so it could be that you get to a later stage in life or that you never notice or you never feel that you're affected by it um and I think it's important to have that balance it's not just oh you you will have a negative experience and set a value based on that (laughs) there's lots of positive things that people set values based on on their young experiences as well yeah yeah I think you're right and I think the it's sort of for me to grossly oversimplify things Mm. it comes down to do you feel okay or do you not (laughs) feel okay and it's and I mean do you feel okay about yourself in the world you know, do you feel like you're an okay enough person? Do you feel that you're equal? Do you feel that you're, you know, you probably cope with whatever life throws at you, you know, given sort of normalish circumstances? Or is your fundamental feeling about yourself that you're not okay? And if you've got a fundamental feeling about yourself that you're not okay, you know, that that's where the work needs to be done. And, it, you know, we know from neuropsychology, so I'm going into that one now, um, that the brain is immensely capable of change so as we go through these you know these this therapy or these practices or we keep on learning your brain is 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 forming new connections it's forming new insights and it's also changing the the brain waves so you can train your mind to be calmer Mm. um so there's yeah infinite possibilities for getting better yeah I think so I think it's it's interesting you mentioned the kind of the are kind of the are you okay and I think 
we very much particularly in the uk but i think in, in most places the the kind of the questioning of are you okay has very much been been a greeting in in recent decades yeah um and this year we've started i feel like that has started to shift a little bit with um greater recognition of the impact that kind of the current pandemic is having and it yeah. will have yeah. on people's mental health and we're starting to see that shift where people will speak a little bit more openly about yeah. the impact of um job losses of home working homeschooling um and all the different things that are going on yeah um so i'm ho- I, I am hopeful um yes. that that's kind of picking up a bit of recognition there are national campaigns that focus on getting people to speak but i know um as part of your work you and we've mentioned some of these already you talk about kind of the idea of like this creating your own kind of mental toolbox to keep yourself well and the different things that can support you um it'd be interesting to sort of hear from you if someone is starting to think maybe for the first time or maybe for a a period of time about their own well-being and maybe how they could support that or things that might be useful to try even if it doesn't work um are there certain things that you think are, are kind of useful to consider yeah i've put together a little little toolkit um because if we say, um, you know, take charge of your own mind because it's in your head, it's like, well, how do I even begin? So some ways in to thinking about that are to sort of look at things that your mind does, like imagine imagining. And if I mean, I'm talking generally specific, you know, generally to anxiety sufferers mm. and imagination can be their worst enemy because you're imagining what's that person thinking of me um is never good you're imagining uh what's going to happen when I go into that presentation tomorrow probably a disaster um you know everything your imagination is always looking at the worst case scenario so just take imagination and think and catch yourself when you're imagining the worst how can you use your imagination in a more positive and self-affirming way so can you imagine yourself as whole and strong and positive? Can you imagine um, the, the event turning out how good it could be? You know, what's the best you can imagine, not what's the worst? And if you catch yourself thinking about imagining what somebody else is thinking of you, go, hang on a minute. What am I thinking right now? What am I thinking about this situation that I'm in and what's the best I can make of it? Turn your imagination to problem solving instead of disaster um, creating. So that's one um, one of my mental mm. toolkit um, examples. And then another one is attention. So you think about where is your attention being placed right now? And again, there's a tendency in anxiety for your attention to be um, on the problems, on the negative we've all got a negativity bias which I'm sure other people on your podcast have talked about before Um, but we tend to put our attention on the problems the difficulties these you know the the things that are going to go wrong but attention shapes your experience so wherever your attention is placed at any point in time is what you're going to be is going to be driving how you feel so if you're thinking of if your attention is worrying around what somebody said and going over and over in your head, or oh, did they mean something negative by that? Change your turn your attention. If think of it like a torch beam. 
so that you can actually control where that torch beam is. So your attention is focusing on something somebody might have said that was a bit negative and your mind is worrying and worrying about it. Move that torch beam onto something else that is less harrowing um, and catching yourself using your attention and using your imagination in the wrong way and then switching it over to the right way. And then another one I think is quite useful, if you don't mind me carrying on. <laughs> Um, curiosity that's a really nice tool that you can use because we live in a society where there's a lot of pressure on us to know um, and to be right and that sets us mm. up for failure really because we can't always know we can't always be right and then nobody can so drop that one for a start drop that as, a, as an idea and Instead, think about life as learning. You know, we're all here for you know, however many decades and so on. If we think about our life as life as learning, then we can't make a mistake. There's no such thing. We're just here to learn. And, you know, things will go wrong and we will learn from that and we will move forward. And there's no blame and there's no shame in that. And actively using curiosity to learn more about life. It takes away the pressure of being right. It takes away the pressure, the prospect of being wrong, and it opens you up to wonder and you know and, and fulfilment in life because there's so much to learn about. You know, there's so much, there's so much more that we can do if we just use our curiosity to guide us. Um, yeah. So those, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about with the mental toolkit. So you can see that it's not. It's not just thoughts, changing thoughts. It's actually thinking about, okay, what are the different aspects of the mind that we can we can think about using? Mm. And through that, we are gaining control of the mind. You know, we're stopping the, the mind going up to its normal reactive tricks that keep us stuck in the story of not being good enough and being anxious. We can use these things as a, as a way out. Hmm. I think it, it's, yeah, it really is, isn't it? It's that kind of engaging. Uh, this is, is it right? Uh, engaging your conscious mind in your subconscious mind of of really thinking about how how does my mind work and what are the um, what are the interventions or the things that I can do to to make it work for me a right. little bit more rather That's than against it. me. That's it. Um, yeah. And I know I can't, it's annoying me now that I can't think of how it's worded, but. You also made me think when you were talking about the, um, the kind of making mistakes. I'm sure there are so many variations on the quote, but I've particularly I've seen it around sport of like um, you you learn whatever the percentage is. You learn so much more from the failures. You learn so much more oh. from the mistakes, from the attempts yeah. than you do from actually the successes. Like the successes are great. They're great in that moment. Yeah. But often there is very little that is kind of taken from that forward other than reflecting back on it yeah um whereas those those mistakes those the things where where something doesn't quite happen as you want it to or would expect it to those yeah. are where there are points that we we learn from we make changes we adapt we equip ourselves better the next time yes. um and i think it's particularly relevant you mentioned the kind of the pressure of mm um our image or making mistakes when we're talking about young people yeah um 
and I think how um, I'm sure there were lovely points, but how difficult some of the time I experienced as a young person was without the pressure of, of social media. Mm. Um, and the idea that now there is very much that you have to have the perfect picture, you have to have the yeah. perfect thing that's going on um, and you have to be living that perfect life. It's not just something that someone experiences when they're 30 40 50 and it's like oh well you're at this age you should now have a life that looks like this yeah from a very early age and I would argue probably 11 or 12 yeah um it's put in place okay you're like you should be looking like this you should be doing these things um and I think that's a huge pressure to to put on young people um and we must keep in mind as well that the world that they are growing up in is not the same one that I did. And it is so yeah. far removed from the one that my parents grew up in. Yeah. And I think yeah. making those um, uh, comparisons is often quite an unfair thing to do. It's, it's not a similar, no. the, oh, I can't think what you would call it in a science experiment. There are, there are a lot of, yes there's there is a distinct lack of control um and there's a huge amount of variables in that that it's it's not a fair comparison um so i think yeah there's there's a lot to pick up there particularly for for young people as well yeah and this is where my thinking is headed that um you know as i say 2021 is my year of producing a series of youtube videos that will hopefully you know get into the bedrooms of young people um so they can access that kind of all of the things that i'm talking about and many many more awesome. um, but sorry i was just going to say yeah, my, go, go <laughs> my um my thinking for 2022 what i want to do is prepare more like a a course possibly it could be an online course I haven't really worked out the delivery and don't really I want I'm always thinking broadcast because there's such a big need there's Mm. such a massive you know you just need to get to lots and lots of people with something that's probably not perfect but it will help um, rather than you know taking six people through a a group therapy Um, I, I my urgency I think is a, is a good word for it is to is to get to lots of people so I'm thinking to develop a course that hopefully I mean would get into schools where it's about mental health it's about resilience it's about not, you know letting go of the need to be perfect and looking at all of the social media and how it feeds that and mm. being building resilience to that and looking at you know life is much more than what other people think of you and and all of the good, you know, all of the good insights, but bringing it to a, a a way that younger people today, it's relevant to them and they can understand it. Um, yeah, and the book that I wrote, I wrote very much. I mean, it started off, to be honest, as a book to myself, to my 13-year-old self, if that's where it started. Um, but it's for younger people and it's written in a way that there's no jargon in there. I'm not talking about theories it's just written it's very very plain English and there's you know, there's there's um references at the back if you want to go into more detail but I don't really see it as you know that kind of book it's just um it's written for younger people in a very plain and positive language I like that though the idea that there's 
the references are there if you want to go and look for them it's not part of this uh this telling of this story but the yeah. references are there if you want to find out a little bit more about this aspect they're there right. um yeah i mean you have ruined the last question oh. <laughs> <laughs> well <done. laughs> um i was just gonna ask on the off chance there are a couple of other things um we've touched on kind of uh, like a few different um projects and activities that you are, have been involved in or are going to be but just for a, a bit of a summary of the things that um we, we've mentioned so we've mentioned the book um and a couple of other things but kind of what's available for people at the moment in terms of kind of finding out a bit more about yourself and and if they want to f- get involved with something what yeah. sort of things are available to them at the moment yes um I have a website which is happyanyway.co.uk so you can get on there and you can you can read a little bit you know I do a blog on there um you can find out how to contact me if you want to um I'd be very I'm very open to anybody who's working in this field who thinks there's an opportunity for collaborating on the things that I've been talking about if they share an interest that would be wonderful um I'm not offering um, individual coaching at the moment but I'm sure you know I'm happy to answer email questions <laughs> from any of your listeners um, uh, yeah I've got a Facebook account happy anyway and on Instagram I'm Jane underscore happy anyway and my book is on uh, Amazon so that's called happy anyway and <laughs> good synergy uh, yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's like a thought about it um <laughs> So that's a paperback and Kindle version at the moment. And I'm I'm keen to produce it as an audiobook, but I haven't done that yet. Um, yeah, and I will be setting up a YouTube channel in the near, very, very near future. I mean, in the next couple of weeks. And I believe I've managed to open an account called Happy Anyway. It looks like I have, but I haven't actually put anything onto it yet. So I'm a little bit of a newbie there. But that will be you know, all of the good stuff that I can offer in bite-sized pieces. So I'm going to do a fortnightly video to just, you know, to build, to build these understandings, to build that help and support. It's, I think it, it feels to me that that's like what I can do to help. Mm-hmm. I think, I, th- I mean, I think for most age groups now, um, but particularly for young people, I think videos... Uh, of varying lengths for varying purposes I suppose um are are really important I think um that kind of the old uh, the old that the traditional kind of form of 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 blogging um which I love for kind of the self-expression and the the um articulating some of the things that maybe we don't actually want to say out loud um is is becoming less popular it's becoming less kind of the mainstream medium i think it is um a lot more kind of um kind of visually focused um so it's great to hear kind of you you kind of having that opportunity to to have those conversations there and i think move forward and and a big well done for making sure you've got the the name on youtube there as well that's very good to hear um (laughs) i'm not quite sure but it looks like i've managed it (laughs) If, if you've got it or anything close to it i think that's pretty good um yeah i i think it's really it's really positive to hear um kind of your interest your passion and your your knowledge around 
um, not just young people's health, but um, kind of the, the different aspects of, of psychology, of um, the mind that we've kind of spoken about today. So really interesting to to kind of hear those insights. And yeah, just a big thank you um, for coming on and, and kind of sharing your experience and, and your thoughts. Um, and hopefully uh, we can kind of signpost a few people to, to the videos and the book and a few of the other things you'll be doing as well. Thank you, Mike, for um, allowing me to share um, my enthusiasm, my passion. It's, uh, it's been really good. It's been really good. Thank you. Awesome, Norris. Thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future. Brilliant. Thank you, Mike. You take care of yourself. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.